Welcome to The Stellar Woman Show, the podcast, magazine, and video hosted by Stella Olivia Kikoyo. Each week, Stella will be bringing you a guest or a segment from The Stellar Woman magazine, whose mission is to spread thriving global women's stories, expert knowledge, and experiences covering mind, body, and spirit, fashion and beauty, money, business, and leadership, so that you too can be inspired, learn, be empowered, and thrive. Since knowledge is potential power, our aim is to spread it like light from one woman to another, which we believe will help to bring about change in perspectives and create new possibilities for all women to learn, be empowered, and thrive. We know if one woman thrives, her family and community thrive too, and the world becomes a better and brighter world. With over 100 interviews and stories, articles, videos, surveys, real life and business lessons and trainings, we believe that there's no better women's classroom as the Stellar Woman Show and Magazine. Stella and her guests will be exploring how they started, the dreams realized and unrealized, aspirations, the steps taken, the challenges, failures, lessons learned, decision-making process, and what made them successful, and the stellar woman that they are. For more information, check out the website, www.stellarwomanmag.com. Now, here's your host, Stella Olivia Kikoyo. Welcome to the show, The Stella Woman Magazine, the magazine that brings you thriving women's stories, knowledge, and experiences so that you too can learn one or two things, be inspired, make a change, and thrive in your life. We are here to move light using knowledge so that you can tap into one woman's life, light up your life, and become the person that you are called to be. So we believe that knowledge is power, of course, if acted upon. And today we are thrilled. I am thrilled to be hosting here an amazing Stella woman. And this is Beth Lebedas. Is it Lapitas? Am I spelling, am I pronouncing it right? It sounds perfect. The way you say oh. it. I love it. It sounds very magical. I say <laughs> Lapidus. I say Lapidus, Lapidus. like family says Lapidus. <laughs> Welcome, Beth. Uh, my name is Stella Kikoya, and I'm the editor-in-chief of the Stella Woman magazine. So welcome, Beth. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Beth is many things. Um, I don't even know how she does what she does, but we are all going to learn and find out. She's an author, a TV uh host and producer. She is a, a comedian. Um, she's actually also a creative uh, creativity coach. And we're going to find out all those things, uh, how she does them and how she manages to be the woman that she is today. And um, you look so amazing. You look beautiful. Just we need to know how you you're able to look the way you look and do all these things that you do. Welcome back. Thank you so much, Stella. Thanks for having me. And, and what, a, what a beautiful platform and mission you have. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So uh, let's start off with fast telling us more because 
even if we know that you are the author of So You Need um, to Decide, you are a host and a producer of an Cambaret. Uh, we need to know more about those things, but also all the other things that make Beth Beth. <laughs> okay, so um, tell us who is Beth Lapidus? Well, I think we're going to have a little bit of time to get into all of it, but, you know, essentially when you ask that big question, besides my job, um, you know, I do identify with my name. So when you say, who is Beth Lapidus, you know, I thought a lot about my name. I'm a writer. So of course, words and you know, the, when you look at the phrase, be the change, the first word and be the change, you can see Beth right there at the beginning of it. And I ha I really identify with that changeability as a being who changes. And um, so I'm a be the change thing. And my name, Beth Lapidus, Beth in Hebrew means house and Lapidus is stone. So I have this feeling of being very much a like, very much a home and a solid home that things sort of come through and like that i uh you know i'm an artist at heart everything and everything an artist definitely an artist we want to learn from um so thank you thank you thank you for using um telling us more of what you feel you are coming from the names just even bringing out bring it out from the names that your names themselves yes. i yeah, that's amazing. Thank you very much. And um, I want you to tell us about your backstory. Well, you know, my backstory, it's very interesting because backstory is so huge and how much, I mean, I, I have probably 20 million hours of backstory. I'm a writer. But to, to just in a nutshell, I would say I grew up feeling different and not fitting in and sensitive. Uh, I'm also a high achiever. So I sort of think of myself as a type A free spirit, um, working hard to let the wind blow me where it will. You know, I those two things are always in balance. I was a sick kid, which really shaped me. I think children who are in the hospitals, it's there's a there's a transformation that happens there a kind of way of looking at life that has definitely served me well through my life um a survivor you know a uh an understanding about the fragility of life from very early on and um but you know i was definitely muscling through at the same time super high achiever um i went to brown and then mo majored in modes of expression art dance and writing so i think that's a very encapsulated version of like my backstory that the part of my backstory that is relevant to this oh fantastic thank you um i i think when you talk about um just being a sickly child and merging it and relating it to how we relate with life and um, the fact that you take life maybe more seriously, more precious, and you then take it for granted, like. You sort of start to understand the mystery of life from the beginning. In 2022 language, it's definitely traumatizing and definitely gives you uh, an awareness, highly sensitizing. 
or you know i've always had the question is i've because i've talked to so many creative people who were sick kids in hospital and stuff and i've always wondered is it the sensitivity that makes you sick you know or oh. you once you get sick do you become sensitive it's i don't know which you know it's a chicken and egg thing um but i i definitely i had an autoimmune disease when i was five and i always made the joke oh my, it was so claustrophobic in my house i had to get sick to get out and then i was once reading the louise hay book which you know has this emotional back background to all illnesses and i looked at my disease and it said like claustrophobia <laughs> so it's like oh my god so in some ways i feel like i had a sense of adventure and i really was like even at five i gotta get out of here like what's out there and what was that way and it was also really a huge lesson in not being a victim in a certain way because it was an what I had is a thing that is they can take out your spleen and to fix it and um, my doctor didn't and I eventually my body did heal itself and this sense of waiting and then healing and then being able to really they just they tested me all the time it was just constant blood tests and they would always say it's not going to hurt. I mean, I was constantly being told things that did hurt weren't going to hurt. And they did hurt. And I had already been taught, you know, very moralistic, you know, Jewish upbringing, you know, truth was so important. Tell the truth. But then I really did get the idea, like, tell the truth unless it's about pain. Pain is the one thing that it's okay to lie about. And... <laughs> Because they kept saying it's not going to hurt. And they were authorities and doctors and it did hurt. So I was like, oh, okay, well, if it's going to hurt, that's the thing you can lie about is. So it took me a long time. I mean, yeah. you know, was it was a few decades of being a grown up that until I got like, oh, this is what has happened to me. And especially because I'm a writer and a creative person, I had put up this block around certain painful truths that I had to have then the courage to look at that it wasn't okay to lie. So, you know, it's a constant state of evolving and growing, but I'm very grateful for that time. I mean, I wasn't socialized at school, which I think also can be super detrimental. School can be so fishy you know there's a lot that's wrong with our educational system and um, i was socialized in a place that was about healing and so that was very in a way life affirming to have met people in and around the healing journey you know there's a big uh, picture of me in the providence paper surrounded by student nurses and I'm looking at my etch-a-sketch and it was like coy patient you know all the girl anyway but in some ways I think that etch-a-sketch also imprinted on me because on cabaret the show I do so much of it is about being in the now and doing new stuff all the time which is very antithetical to the way comedy is mostly done and I feel like maybe I've recreated the Etch-A-Sketch experience. <laughs> the thing of doing it and being in the now and erasing it immediately. Um, anyway, so, so much happened to me in the hospital and even more that we'll get into maybe. But I think it's so important to, to not frame as a victim. I mean, to be a sick kid is sort of a victim-y story. And to me, it was like the most, I'm so grateful for that experience. Anyway. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I think I had um I had that part in the audio block of the <laughs> schedule your image and then the nurses surrounding you. So um it's amazing that you brought it out. And and I think so when you look at yourself as a sick child, because I think I also had a period in my life when I was a bit sickly, mm. and and then you sort of idolize being the victim like then people paying attention to you then sometimes you you start to build onto that to create yeah i didn't have that i really like avoid doctors i'm the opposite i don't want to go i don't like it (laughs) i mean i mean i think i had the thing of being an artist and wanting to you know the little monkey thing that we have as performers like dancing you know i have this definitely and i definitely want attention but i'm not somebody who's like making appointments at doctors to get that attention for sure i will avoid a doctor's appointment you know i don't want to go there i just i really you know i like yeah stay healthy yeah you want to stay healthy. It's important to stay healthy, yeah. But a lot of children are known to actually play on that bit of psychology and, uh, yeah, just continue to be victim. Thank you for that. Um, and I think it will tell us more about everything about your creative um, endeavor. So what was your dream career oh, as a child? Did you always want to be what you are? What you, you know, did in a way, do? yes. I, I mean, I had, didn't really even know what it meant, but I just was like, I'm going to grow up and be an artist. I mean, I, I didn't know what that career meant, but I did a, sort of understand the life path from the beginning. I, you know, I think I thought it meant more being a painter, but certainly I think of myself maybe more now as a creator than an artist. Uh, that might be just 2022 language, but uh, but for sure, that's what I wanted to be. And um, it's taken a lot of different, manif- you know, it's manifested in a lot of ways. And my career has been very organic in the way it's evolved from being a visual artist to being a storyteller to being a performance artist and a comedian. And, you know, it's grown organically from that but you know in my heart uh, i do identify with that word and poet i mean i identify with the word poet really strongly okay so you are everything you've also been in i'm not everything (laughs) i'm not everything (laughs) you're not a sculptor there are definitely things i'm not (laughs) i am a lot a visual and then you are also a creator in other ways so you've been a creator in all these different yes dimensions yes wow that's yeah. very good that's very good and amazing amazing so allowing yourself to actually ex- explore all those avenues of life i mean i mean it's more just okay i'll say it sure i'll go with that allowing myself to explore I think it's more being stu- maybe stubborn. I don't really think of it as allowed. I don't, I don't really, there's not like a permission. There. I do definitely have a burning desire that I honor, I would say, more than something that I allow. I have definitely um, listened to that part of me that is, I don't want to say desperate, but yearning to be heard and yearning to create and yearning to connect 
and bring out who whatever is inside you. Yeah. Oh wow, that's very good. So um, thank you for that. And now we know that um, this is a platform for women's empowerment. And uh, we know that um, as you are already a, a creativity coach, we so we know that you're aspiring to be more. Uh, what are your attributes of your ideal stellar woman? Well, you know, I would have to say courage. I'm glad you're doing courage. I think courage is one of the most key attributes. I, you know, and I always remind myself and people I work with, you know, courage means uh, the word is from a French word and core, which is heart. And it really means acting from your heart. And um, generally means despite your fear, because we're all afraid and, you know, where we're, you know, love and fear, it's all very interconnected. So I would say courage. I would also say patience, which I've had a very hard time developing myself, I think is a key that we don't always get gifted. You know, we have to grow. Kindness is something that I think is a huge attribute. I have found kindness to be something I've also had to nurture and nourish because I think the the drive to succeed and be a woman, you know, there's sometimes, you know, overproving yourself and having to be aggressive and it can diminish your kindness and kindness mm -hmm. is something that, you know, especially the less you have it towards the outside world, as you know, we as women are trying to accomplish once it gets in short supply, we also are not able to be kind to ourselves. And that lack of kindness to ourselves is something can be very limiting. Kindness can open really a lot of doors. Uh, changeability, I think, is key. I think consciousness is something we don't talk about enough uh, in sort of a business way. It's sort of put off into sort of a soul-growing way. And I think consciousness is so important. I would say imagination. I'm very resourceful and I've had to sort of, even as an artist, I would say my resourcefulness is stronger than my imaginative powers. And um, uh -huh. I think imagination is so important. And, and finally, I would just say willingness, sometimes resistance uh, is so strong and no, no-ness. So I would say willingness and yesness and, and, and specifically the willingness to change. Oh, wow. Thank you very much for that. Those are really strong attributes <laughs> for our subscribers to aim for. I love them. Thank you very much. So what future do you envision for women? The funniest thing is, you know, you read the future is female. You see that sort of meme. And then I always think, yeah, now that there is no future, sure. Um, it's like, sure, we've reached the end of history and now what? And now it's our turn. I mean, that is one side of me. The other part of me, I would say we're entering a time when um, if we're going to, I am a hopeful person and I do think that a future is possible. And I think that involves an embrace of the divine feminine which is to say everything that's yin, a world that honors receiving as much as making in the Chinese yin yang, you know, how the both sides of it. And I think the divine feminine and a certain type of creativity are the things that are going to get us through to a future. So I would say the future I imagine for women 
uh, and envision for women is a future certainly of equality and freedom. I mean, this is what we're fighting for, and this is the big fight. And unless women can be free, um, the divine feminine cannot prevail. And without the divine feminine, I, I fear we we come to an end of this earthly experiment. That's amazing. <laughs> That's very good, very empowering, and it creates a lot of hope for women. So um, the next question is, the theme for this particular issue is courageous decision-making. How important is decision-making to you? In some ways, it is the most important thing. There are eight habits of being a highly creative person that I teach as a unit. And those habits are deciding, starting, facing the fear, changing, believing in yourself, consistency, listening and receiving and knowing yourself. But, um, and deciding is the first. Without deciding, none of the rest of that can happen. And I don't know that we're even taught deciding or, you know, I don't know that it's presented as the most important thing. But, you know, the word decide, uh, and in some ways the word decide is part of the reason. Decide is related to words like um, homicide and suicide. All the side words have to do with a cutting off. So deciding is a cutting off of other options and there's a certain violence to it. And I think that the um, that wildness and that violence is something that keeps it, you know, from being ever easy. Uh, so I would say, how important is it? It is so important. It's the most important. So important and the most important. So thank you. Thank you and for giving us that a bit of um, history or what meaning behind the word decide. Thank you. So your audiobook, uh, So You Need to Decide, was named 2020's best comedy book by the Vulture. And congratulations for that. Thank you. One of the best. It was in the top. Yeah, it was a, there was a list and I was on it. And I, it was. Oh, you were one of them. Okay. To be in. Thank you. What inspired you to decide, we chose to use that word, to decide to write this book? Partly uh, following the green lights, which is a great uh, piece of advice for young women entrepreneurs follow the green lights. It was advice that was given to me and I try to follow it. My agent said to me, I think I could sell an original audiobook. Do you have any ideas? What what could you do? A book that would be your story mixed with conversations. Do you have any ideas for what that would be? And over the course of producing and curating comedians and storytellers, I can suss out sort of like this is the kind of thing that people have big stories about and so I was looking for an idea and it was around the la the last presidential election um 20 yeah 2018 and um the word decide and the you know decisions you know it's a big word around and I was seeing it everywhere and the word just kind of really started resonating for me and I started seeing it in neon and this way of making decisions of things start to be in your field a lot uh, you hear the same word over the same song, you start feeling a certain way, you're drifting towards something. So this idea of deciding really was uh, started to come towards me. I was excited about doing an original audiobook because I love being an innovator. I mean, innovation is so exciting to me and uh, it, it's still a new area. So I was super excited about the idea of doing that kind of project and innovating in that area. 
And um, I knew that I could do a really good thing that was different than had been done. And once I thought of the idea of decision, I thought, oh, this is going to be good because I'm going to get to tell a lot of stories and I'm going to learn from it. You know, the word creativity, people think it means to make something, but actually the word create comes from a word that means to grow. And so I'm always looking for projects that can help me grow. And I think this is a great metric for your listeners to use. It's helped me so much. Creativity. That's good. So it means it's originally has the meaning of grow within it. Yes. That's very good. Thank you. Thank you um, for that. So in So Unique to the Time, still in the book, you share that the first big decision you ever had to make was when you were five years old. Can you elaborate on this decision? I think what you're talking about, I'm <laughs> like, I've written a lot. It's hard to remember what's where. I think you're talking about, there was a time in the hospital when um, I was sitting in the hallway and looking into a room where the kids were playing doctor. And I just thought, I mean, why are we playing doctor in the hospital? We could play anything. We could play house. We could play, you know, astronaut. We could play school. What? Why are we playing doctor? I mean, as an adult, I understand that it's role playing and working out of stuff. But I was just like, don't we want to get out of here? Which is sort of very me. I am sort of like, if it's uncomfortable, let's get out, you know. But I didn't say anything. I, and it wasn't until many years later that I, when I was itchy to do comedy differently and was thinking, oh, you know, can't we do this differently? Why does it have to be like this? That I remembered being in the hospital and being five and saying, oh, can't we play a different game and not doing anything about it? So, you know, you get a chance. Life keeps giving you the same thing over and over again until you get it. That's the truth. <laughs> oh, thank you. And that was a decision. So in the book, you interview a number of people about decision making. You interview people like uh, Bob Odenkick, uh, Sandra Benhard, and Margaret Cho, and many others, actually. This means there's so many, you have so many lessons that you must have got from all those conversations. Are you able to share with the settlement subscribers with us? and the key lessons that you picked up from this conversation? Well, I would say one of the key lessons is uh, don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, every single one of these people talks about good decisions and bad decisions. Part of it is just being, so many listeners have reached out and said, you know, it was amazing how vulnerable your conversations were with people that, you know, people were willing to share a lot that made them vulnerable. And that vulnerability came in not just saying, this great decision, that great decision, all my brilliant decisions. You know, everybody everybody did make courageous decisions, everybody, um, but I would say risk-taking and persistence, you know, and, and not being afraid to make mistakes. Not be, okay, yeah, those are a couple of lessons, good. Not being afraid to make mistakes. I think that's where many of us stay a long time to fail not to make any decision yeah. in one way or another. Really Sometimes you just have to pick a thing. You, you, it might be the wrong thing and either you can change your mind or, you know, period, the end, you failed this time. But 
for sure, the wrong decision is no decision. That's a very important one for procrastinators. <laughs> no decision. Okay, thank you for that. What would you consider as your most courageous decision that you've ever made? If at all, we have to bring you to that. You know, there were, there's something I think of as a cluster of decisions. Sometimes decisions aren't singular. And I made a decision to start my life over in a certain sense uh, about a dozen years ago. And um, that was really hard and it was really brave. And it was a cluster of decisions that involved divorce, uh, leaving a house and, you know, selling it at a time when the real estate market was not really the right time to do it. It's sobriety. Um, so it was a, it was an enormous restart and all at once, yeah, it was pretty brave. I gotta say. It was pretty brave. Yeah. It was like too many brave things. All at once. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, um, do you regret any of that? No, not at all. It was, uh, so I'm so grateful. Even when I look back, I almost think of that person as, how did she do that, that girl? I mean, I'm always, I'm like, she, oh my God. And, and I don't regret it. And I'm almost not even the same person, but, and I'm super grateful to that girl who did that. Yeah. 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 What a brave girl she was. Yes. Yes. What a brave girl she was. Exactly. And she made it possible to be the person that you are and to serve the way you serve. Thank you. Thank you. But when you go through those decisions, especially at that moment when you had that cluster of decisions to make, um, if you look at it, I know that you don't regret any, but I want you to go back in time and think about what is the one thing that you would um, give yourself as, can I say, a skill set from that moment? Was it the boldness? What was it that you can give back today from that cluster, that those um, critical, courageous decisions that you had to make at that point? What is the skill set that you can transfer to back today that other people can feel and take with them? What was the skill set that I used to make that decision? Um, at that point in time, maybe you didn't think it's a skill set, but maybe there's something that you feel that we can extract from that difficult decision, that courageous decision, that moment when you had to change your well, life. I would say um, trusting myself, you know. That's a big one. Yeah. I mean, it, I know that's not a skill set, but. Yeah, um, no. But yeah. trusting myself and making good decisions around who, you know, I think I would say personnel decisions in a very, like, to put it in an office talk, um, who's going to be in your life and everything that you can do to improve your trusting yourself, your intuition. I think those skills, and I would say over the course of my life, I have developed those skills um, with actual introspection and writing. I mean, knowing yourself, I mean, you can't trust yourself until you know yourself. So I would say knowing yourself is the first skill. 
And some of that is done with writing and understanding. Some of it is done with any kind of therapeutic work, whether it's in a, with a therapist or in other modalities or in, in any kind of recovery or it, with friends. Um, also, I've been, I, I'm, I've been pra- practicing yogi for a long, long time. Um, that there's a coming to know yourself through that's vidyaya, but I started a, uh, and I've always meditated on and off. And then six years ago, I began a Vedic meditation practice, which is the practice that TM is based on, which somebody does give you a mantra and it's 20 minutes twice a day. Do I do it 20 minutes every single day twice? No, but some days yes, and some days once, and sometimes I miss a day, but I am consistently in the practice, you know, uh, and, you know, that practice is a practice of letting, there's a stress relief, the science of it is a letting go of stress, and whether it's that practice or others, any practice that is going to help you hone your intuitive abilities that um, very specifically in the Vedic system, they call it following your charm, which I love. I mean, it's a very like magic carpet way of thinking about it. But uh, you can call following your intuition or knowing your heart or, you know, any that is the best skill set that will take you through life in every kind of situation. And everything follows that. I really think so. Thank you. Thank you. And I think many of us say where we are. And are not able to shift to go to different because of just that, not yeah. having um, the ability to even trust yourself. Yeah. Of course, you're telling us possible to know ourselves, but of course, that's very true. You have to know yourself or you can't because, trust yourself because who are you? <laughs> yes, what is that you're going to trust? So definitely, yeah. definitely. And that's the journey. That's the journey. Just like you are going through the journey, we need to go into that type of journey where we can be able to tap into the intuition to, to learn to know ourselves too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Thank you. So um, tell us, would you regard yourself as a past decision maker or slow decision maker procrastinator? Um, and whatever it is, has it worked? Hmm, I can't decide how to answer this. You know, I, um, I'd say both. There are some decisions I am definitely at ease with making a fast decision. And I have made a bunch of being a performer and being on stage is a billion fast decisions. You're just deciding things instantaneously all the time. And it is great practice. You know, it is a a practice in that kind of life. Um, There are decisions I have deliberated on for a long time. Oprah says, uh, I'm not a big Oprah devotee, but one thing she has said that had stu- has stuck with me is when in doubt, don't. That is just an amazing way to look at it. But you also have to remember that generally there's never going to be a hundred percent surety. You know, yeah. is there ever going to be, are you ever going to be without that tiny little piece, that grain of sand of I don't know this? No. So I would say um, be willing to live with a little bit of uncertainty, but go with where there is a strong feeling. So I've done both. I've done slow. I've done fast. You do both, depending on the situation. Yeah. 
thinking and what um has influenced you so where where are you most of the time are you slower or faster and in that way i wanted to ask what has influenced your approach to decision making first sometimes i just know uh, i know my mind and my heart pretty well and if not if there's a there have been i mean even i can think this year about two big decisions i made that i didn't know instantaneously about um, you know there was a move and a decision to work with someone both of those took some deliberating so when i think about those i do besides you know consulting myself and my higher power um i do talk to people i trust i mean i have people around me you know build a network of people you trust and how you decide on who you trust is you know over the course of time have they given you good you know it's a little bit of a test do you admire how they live their life are they good decision makers do they know you do they understand you do you share morals and values um so i have a group of people like that do you trust them not to even gossip about you and talk about your decisions so i talk to the people i trust which is just a handful of people i try to decide both things if i'm uncertain and i'm weighing things i make a decision and i i live with it without doing anything about it and sometimes it sits right and sometimes it doesn't and if it doesn't then i make the other decision and live with it and i kind of go back and forth kind of having made the decision but not acted on it um those are my best i don't do i never do a pro and con list i mean it just those are so silly it's ridiculous i mean sometimes there's one thing on the pro list but it's the only thing that matters you know yeah. it's like it's just crazy so i will sometimes list stuff out but more often than not it's a it's more of an essay than a multiple choice question thank you i think you've answered the next question which was about how um the process you follow in making important decisions where are they raise any uh, but you've talked about the fact that you use, um, of course, you trust your intuition, but you also have friends who are just a handful that mm -hmm. you trust and can refer to them. And uh, at times, of course, you use a little bit of having some cons, cron cons here, but not all the time. Is there anything else that you could be um, you engage in in terms of the process for making important decisions or big decisions like a move to change of location or, or you talked about even working with a person. So this year, actually, um, did you require any process or you just use those? Um, well, I, used all those I mean, I used all those in both those decisions. You know, at a certain point in both those decisions, I decided yes. And generally, I find for me something doesn't stick around long enough to become a decision unless it's something that probably I do want to do. But some things are about leaving. The show has been at, we, you know, this is my, Uncabaret has been, is so long running um, and we've had residencies, you know, it's been almost 30 years and we've had a number of like seven big residencies and a bunch of one-offs also, but long-term residencies and there have been some cases where i've been should we change our venue and um sometimes i've just dragged my heels until it just becomes clear because the venue has closed <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, because, you know, changes, we res- you, sometimes there isn't a better option. You know, sometimes <laughs> you know that where you are, and I don't just mean a venue, but where you are with anything, your job, you know, if it's a job or um, a location where you live or even, a, you know, say your, you know, your weight, your hair, you know, these things that we live with every day, you know, you want to change, but when's the time? What's the thing? I have one friend who kept saying to me, I was just like, oh, we should move the show. And she kept saying, you'll know when it's time. It's like putting a dog down, you know, you just like, you keep thinking about it, but one day it really is the day. So, you know, sometimes it's like, don't pressure yourself to make a decision prematurely. The, The day will come. And, you know, there's a phrase, whether or not you believe in God, you know, some people resist the word God, but insert your favorite phrase when I say God, you know, sometimes God does for you what you can't do for yourself. And um, when that happens, be grateful, you know, when that happens, notice it and notice that you maybe could have done it for yourself a little sooner next time you might go sooner. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, but somehow, definitely, God um, just helps you. <laughs> helps you out there. Sometimes God makes the decision for you, and sometimes, you know, I find that sometimes taking the long view, the big view, pulling out to the long shot. Uh, if you were looking at it as a movie, sometimes when it seems like it's not the right thing, or why did it happen this way, and to make a decision about it, I do try to look at the bigger picture. I think that's a really great technique. You're asking me for techniques because things that have happened in the past, sometimes you can't see how Mm. they were quote unquote good for you or the right thing. And then somehow 10, 20 years later, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that hadn't happened. Then this wouldn't have happened. And as you mature, the, one of the, one of the great graces we get as we are privileged to grow up is knowing that that's the case in the past, knowing that things that didn't seem quote unquote good when they were happening have somehow evolved and given you an opportunity you never would have had otherwise does give you a certain amount of grace to live through things that are uncomfortable or quote unquote bad because you have experienced how things have unfolded in ways that you couldn't control. And I guess the decision to be uh, live in that place where both you are as much an advocate for yourself and as much a, a active and activated and a change agent for yourself and also willing to uh, go with the flow a little bit. I mean, this goes to what I was saying up top type A free spirit, being both willing to roll with it and able to make things happen and living those two things in balance, which is another way. I mean, the serenity prayer is that too, you know, the courage to change the things you can and the, you know, and the willingness to, to know when you can't. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's got that balance. I mean, balance is such an important word for, for your listeners be a stellar woman is to somehow find balance yeah definitely that was a good one that you brought brought in the serenity prayer the courage to do what you know that you can do there are things that we can do and we just don't have the courage to do to do yeah. them and, uh, and to let go of those that we know that we can't change and yeah, yeah. And to know the difference between 
the wisdom to know the difference you know but the courage to change what you can i mean if that i mean if we if if no other sentence from this it's not my sentence it's like courage to change what you can which sometimes is internal sometimes the main decision you have to make and i think this is overlooked is an internal decision an inter- a decision yeah. to not see yourself as a victim, a decision to not, you know, be the person at work who, the, you know, there's a lot of things that happen inside of us and they're invisible and they're not necessarily given the spotlight because they don't manifest immediately, but they will manifest. Indeed, thank you. This conversation continues to so look out for part two in the next episode. Thank you for being here.